heart of where innovation, money, and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond. This is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow. I'm Caroline Hyde of Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up, of course, full coverage of OpenAI ahead as investors seek to reinstate Altman as CEO, while the company tries to prevent an employee exodus. More ahead. And we'll preview what to expect from chip giant NVIDIA, with AI accelerators expected to drive a sales surge for the company. We have all the details. Plus, Elon Musk's ex, it sues Media Matters in a lawsuit of maliciously trying to drive away advertisers from the social media platform. We'll discuss that and so much more throughout this hour. Let's get right to it. The situation, it just continues to unfold, and it's chaotic. Certainly has been for the last few days. A boardroom coup, investors pushing for Altman's return, Microsoft hiring Altman and to lead a new AI research team and in a show of support nearly all of OpenAI's employees threatening to quit and join Microsoft unless Altman is reinstated and the board resigns. Look, an OpenAI memo viewed by Bloomberg says that the company is in, quote, intense discussions to unify once again. Look, whatever the outcome ends up being, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella emphasized the company fully backs Sam Altman and former OpenAI chair Greg Bookman. Just take a listen. We are leading in this next generation of AI technology. Uh, we continue to be committed to OpenAI, and we continue to be co committed to Sam and Greg and the team, uh, irrespective of where they are. Joining us now to break it all down, Bloomberg's Shirin Ghaffari. And Shirin, you had the up-to-the-moment reporting on what's happening internally at those left at OpenAI, and really it feels as though we could even see a reinstatement, a, a reunification? That's right. So there is still hope um, <clears throat> with, by employees and management at the company that they will be able to reach some kind of agreement with management. Um, but at around 8.30 last night, um, management sent a memo to staff uh, saying that you know they were going to call it a night and in the morning, meaning today, Tuesday, uh, when people have a little more sleep, they'll pick back up. Hey, Sharon, grab a little sip of water, because I know it was a late night for you, That's right. just as much as it was for me. This memo has come from Anna Makanju, who's basically this was, as I understood it, the global affairs chief. I think what the audience doesn't have a sense of is who is inside OpenAI actually doing any of this negotiating, at least on the OpenAI side. Yeah, so there's kind of a you know a core management team. It's it's kind of like a almost you know government uh, in exile, you could call it, right? It's sort of a group of people who are trying to um, act as a bridge, right, between this new board and the old guard. And of course, their goal is to try to get Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, the old leaders of OpenAI, back in place. There's a difference between the reporting that we've done, which is basically Satya Nadella was behind the scenes being the peace broker, bringing the investors to the table, the board wasn't talking for a while, are they now talking? And then there's what he said on camera, which is, we back Sam either way. Do we, do we have a real sense of what Sam's position is in all of this? I mean, 
Look, we know that Sam has said he's going to go to Microsoft, right, with his old colleague, Greg Brockman, and start uh, an AI, uh, you know, lead their AI department there. However, at the end of the day, we also know that Sam's goal is ultimately, you know, OpenAI is a company that he built, right? So if he's being offered an executive position to go lead again back there, it's hard to imagine him not taking that. And that's definitely what employees um, rallying for him right now are pushing for. All right, Bloomberg Sharingafari, late night for you, late night for the team once again. Let's keep the conversation going on the story, though. And we're excited to say Josh Wolf, co-founder and managing partner of Lux Capital, joins us on the program. Uh, Josh, just as a scene setter, you are not an investor in OpenAI, uh, as I understand it. There's this tender that was due to happen in the background. Start by asking you, would you invest in OpenAI right now if you could through a tender mechanism or otherwise? Right now, I, I would not just because of the instability. Uh, you can see that as an opportunity. I will say I actually think that they should, once they get this all sorted out, immediately file to go public. I think that the demand and the outpouring and interest that you've seen and the support for Sam is just absolutely unprecedented in a tech company. It's almost like an unintended pre-IPO roadshow to show the overwhelming demand. So while we're not an investor uh, in, in OpenAI, I, I do think that uh, if I were them and I was the ultimate board, which I think has to be a restructured real governance board, I would file for IPO. I'm digging in there, Josh, because that is a contrarian view when ultimately it looks like the entire company is destroying itself. What would the governance have to look like if a company was to go public? I think it's the kind of traditional governance that you want to see. You want to have checks and balances. There's a big difference between giving founders control, which has actually worked, we know in tech, from Google and Meta and many others, and then just having basic governance checks and balances that you can avoid these sort of capricious whims of just a handful of individuals around a table. Uh, you want the judgment to avoid, as you said, this sort of making devastating mistakes that can be very hard to recover from. And the really important thing here we're seeing is this wasn't because of absence of GPUs. This wasn't because of absence of compute. This wasn't because of algorithms. You know, the great irony is people are so worried about AI destroying all this stuff. It was, it was human nature. It was a bunch of people in a room. And the emotions that drove the sort of whimsical and capricious decision to say we're going to oust this beloved leader in tech. We just showed a, a, a graphic with some of your portfolio companies. You guys are investing in AI, either uh, AI native or AI adjacent companies. What, what does this do for the competitive landscape, right? There are dozens of companies building large language models. We all recognize that OpenAI was, was the sort of technological leader and in some sense the, the, the commercial leader. What opportunity does this present to those you're backing? Well, start generally and just remember that the one thing that OpenAI had was this pole position, and I, and I believe that they can recover it, but they had predictability, they had stability, they had reliability, and all of that gives confidence, and confidence gives trust, and trust is the ultimate currency. The reason that I watch Bloomberg, the reason that people watch you every day is because they trust you. People partner with a company because they trust it, and this weekend, trust blew up. So it could take 10 years to build a reputation, 10 years to build trust, and 10 seconds to lose it. So a week prior, you had all of these startups that basically with the OpenAI dev, uh, demo day thought, all right, they just killed our latest product or our latest feature. Now they have a second chance because any company that's working with a hospital system or a government group or a major corporation, all those entities, all those customers want to know that they're working with someone who is reliable and predictable and stable. Now you look at some of our companies, hugging face on the open source. We are huge believers in open source. We think that this 
is probably like exhibit A of why you want open source systems as opposed to closed, siloed, concentrated systems. If you care truly about humanity, if you care about AI, uh, uh, really getting out into the uh, 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 far reaches of the industry, you want open systems. So whether it's Hugging Face, together doing distributed compute, Mosaic ML, which we sold to Databricks, uh, Runway ML, they're all the fastest growing and well-positioned companies in these spaces because they are very heavily uh, geared towards open source. A lot of them are geared to being safe and to ultimately ensuring that in some way that aligns, if not in OpenAI's case, came first above profitability. And I'm interested in that tension that we continue to see around artificial intelligence and ultimately whether or not we can see absolutely monumental valuations and profitability at the same time as, well, ethical use and deployment. I, I, I do think so. I think that the ethics and the safety are just basic good judgment. You know, what we saw here in this board coup and all this craziness was just bad judgment. Now, you just want good people making good decisions. And whenever I hear anybody say, oh, I'm just trying to do this to save the world, it actually really gets my spidey sense going. I actually find right. it quite cynical. I really don't, don't trust that. But when you have somebody that's just like, I want to build this thing. I want to solve problems. I want to get every student, a teacher, uh, and a tutor. I want to help reduce hospital bills and, and get people better differential diagnoses. I want to help discover new drugs. Those are the things that you really want to be back most of those people are thinking, what could go wrong? I always say that failure comes from a failure to imagine failure. And if you are adequately thinking about the downsides, what can go wrong, without just a pure techno-optimist view, we're going yes. full speed ahead, without looking to the sides and looking through the rearview mirrors, you don't have to have regulation. You don't have to have intense uh, scrutiny. It should just be self-reflection and good leadership to anticipate the failure points so as to avoid them. What happened this weekend with OpenAI and what's still happening was a failure of imagination. People did not imagine that this was possible, that so much risk could be concentrated in just a handful of, of, of people's hands to make a decision on what the future would be. There's one big winner here. There's, there's one big winner here, which as you noted hey. just in the prior comments, is, is Microsoft. Microsoft, I mean, people are forgetting this. But really, Josh, really, because ultimately they now have regulatory exposure, they now have a cost exposure, they also don't have that arm's length protection of seeing hallucination built on their own brand type. I will trade that if I was a Microsoft shareholder or a board member or employee there, I would trade that every time. They put $10 billion of committed capital, how much actually has gone in, whatnot, and what did they get in market cap value? A trillion dollars. That is one of the best trades in technology history. $10 billion to create a trillion dollars of market value. So I think that they can afford, whether it's $100 billion of regulatory costs, whether it's Brad Smith going and trying to get regulatory capture, which I don't approve of. I think it's wrong for this industry. I think that it's uh, really disingenuous in, in, in its attempt. But Microsoft has won. $10 billion to yield the trillion dollars of market value is a coup of epic proportions. Boy, are we going to talk about that a little bit more. Perfect start to the show, Josh Wolf. We thank you so much. Co-founder, managing partner of Lux Capital and, of course, an investor in Hugging Face. Just to warn you a little bit later, of course, we have Margaret Mitchell joining us on the show. She's Hugging Face chief ethics scientist, so a little bit more there on the ethics side of the equation. Meanwhile, though, coming up, we push ahead to the big earnings after the bell. Of course, we're talking AI. Of course, we're talking NVIDIA's results. This is Bloomberg Technology.
Nvidia's earnings are the big one coming after the bell. Here's what to watch for. Analysts expect sales to jump 171% from a year ago, driven by demand for its AI accelerators. Profit also expected to jump. Wall Street also sees a leap in profit. $3.36 of earnings per share. Nvidia already leads the market with its H100 GPU used to train artificial intelligence models. Investors will want an update on the GH200 or Grasshopper Superchip, the next-gen accelerator that started shipping last quarter. An improved version with HMB3E memory supposed to go out in the second quarter of next year. Those are the numbers. Let's get the analysis with Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Kunjan Sabani. A high bar going into earnings. What are you looking for? Uh, a significantly higher beat and raise. I mean, look, the expectations have been climbing up and up. Everyone expects them to beat and raise, but it's going to come down to how much more can they keep repeating the performance they did in the last two quarters. The, the, a part of the repeat performance is that they're supply constrained, right? Yeah. So wherever you look, there's demand for AI accelerators. How does that factor into your model? Uh, I think they're going to definitely ship a lot more H100s. Based on our um, estimates, the first half H100 uh, contribution would be 30 to 40 percent of the total total GPU volumes, server GPU volumes, uh, we expect that to significantly increase in the second half because with each H100, they get a lot more ASP. Fascinating, Kunjan. We thank you so much. You'll be glued to the screens after the, the bell. Kunjan Sabani of Bloomberg Intelligence, we appreciate it. Joining us now to think more broadly about AI and indeed where we're currently trading across the board for the NASDAQ, Hilary Frisch is with us, Senior Research Analyst of Technology Software at ClearBridge and really do deep dive insights into certain names out there that have been powered and benefiting from artificial intelligence. Have we seen valuations exceed ultimately the growth trajectory, the monetization options here? It's good to be here. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Ed. Um, no, I don't think so. I think um, we've been playing a little bit of push and pull between valuations and fundamentals coming through. But fundamentals are only just starting to come through. AI monetization is just in the earliest stages. We're just on the cusp of seeing what these companies will garner from their Gen AI offerings. What has been so disruptive, uh, largely to sleep of journalists and those working in <laughs> open AI, but also just the ecosystem more broadly, has been this sort of self-destruction path that open AI has been on more generally. Now, this is a private company, not one that you'll be doing deep dive research on too much. But what they have done has created fierce competition and exuberance ever since the launch of originally ChatGPT back in November of last year. Right. Is it more competitive now, the space, do you think? The space is more competitive and it will become increasingly competitive, but the opportunity set continues to rise with each week, each month, meaning companies are figuring out more and more ways to utilize AI, uh, vendors are figuring out more and more applications to which to apply it, and I think we're, 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 we're just in the infancy of all that. So, yes, it will become more competitive, absolutely. Has it been a worry for you for the companies that you do monitor or those that more broadly that your company holds that are based upon the large language models of OpenAI, do you think? I'm sorry, would you repeat? Well, ultimately, many companies have been building around the architecture that OpenAI has built. Oh, yeah. And now everyone suddenly is worrying about that architecture, about its resiliency. Sure. Is that no concern? Um, well, yeah. None of, 
the, the situation at OpenAI has introduced some level of near-term uncertainty, but Microsoft just gave every OpenAI employee a big bear hug. Sam Altman has apparently joined Microsoft in a research fashion. I, I think um, it's too soon to call this a major issue. I Microsoft has had exclusive access to the technology, so I think what Microsoft needs to do is actually just to draw this situation to some form of conclusion. Either they can help stabilize OpenAI, they could encourage Sam Altman to go back to AI, uh, to OpenAI, or they could actually uh, take on the, you know, the majority of the employee base of OpenAI or the employees which they like, which they certainly can do. Um, so I think I think we're going to see conclusion uh, before not too long, and and then we can look forward. Uh, other companies are certainly competing. I'm not sure that this gives them a major leg up yet. There seems to be some loyalty on the part of that team. They'd like to stay together if they can. Microsoft just clearly gave signals that they're making that possible. We always love having you on because you like stocks like Microsoft, Hyperscalers, CRM, Snow, and Oracle, to name but a few. We really appreciate you coming on. This holiday shortened week, she's called Hillary Frisch of Clearbridge. Time now for Talking Tech. First up, crypto exchange platform Kraken is in some hot water with the US SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, the SEC is saying Kraken commingled client assets with its own, even going as far as to pay expenses from bank accounts that held customer cash. Kraken said it disagreed with the SEC claims and planned to vigorously defend its position. Meanwhile, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are officially on threads. White House officials also opened accounts for the First Lady and Second Gentleman, and the move, of course, comes just days after the White House condemned Elon Musk's endorsement of anti-Semitic posts on X, formerly known as Twitter. Plus, the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee is calling a number of social media executives to testify at a December the 6th hearing regarding online child sexual exploitation. Those subpoenaed include Jason Citron of Discord, Snap's Evan Spiegel, and ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino. Ed, more on X. Yeah, more on X. The platform formerly known as Twitter is suing watchdog group Media Matters, claiming it, quote, maliciously drove advertisers away from the social media platform. Let's bring in Bloomberg's Asia Counts, who's been all across this. Musk has been very vocal on X. Yaccarino has been quite vocal on X. What is it that they're accusing Media Matters of? Well, they're essentially saying that Media Matters mischaracterized some of the, the content on the platform, right? This so, was in a report a week ago. Exactly. Media Matters report. Yes. The Media Matters report came out and basically said they found ads from huge advertisers like IBM and Apple next to pro-Nazi content. And so what Yaccarino and Musk and the Vice Association X are arguing is that that's not the case. It was only a small number of people that saw it, that Media Matters sort of manipulated their feed to do that. So they, they have all these sorts of um, arguments against why they don't think that's exactly accurate. Meanwhile, Media Matters says they stand by their reporting and ultimately think that this is, well, a mistrodden path for them to be being sued right now. Yeah, Media Matters is, is saying that, look, we've we seen the ads, we looked at them, we saw the ads next to pro-Nazi content. And unfortunately, this is not something that is new, right? Advertisers have seen this over the past year. This has been an ongoing saga of advertisers finding their ads next to content that they don't like. And so Media Matters is saying, look, we've done the research, we, we saw the ads, here's examples of it. And so they stand by, by what they put. At the heart of this is... Uh, the pervasiveness of, of fake content on the platform and the exposure of the advertisers. You and I reported that Yaccarino 
uh, has acknowledged broadly advertiser flight. What has she said about addressing the issue at heart, which is the pervasiveness of, of content on that platform? I mean, again, they, they sort of continue to go back to their policies. They said they've taken a number of steps to combat anti-Semitic content on the platform. They stand by some of the policies that they have. But it's just hard because they, they continue to say that, but then advertisers are continuing to see their ads next to this content. And ad agency executives at this point are, are, are pretty fed up with a lot of the stuff that they're seeing. And so they've consistently pointed to their policies and to the actions that they're taking but from the advertiser perspective, it doesn't seem to be making a difference, which is why we're seeing Apple and IBM and Comcast and all these companies pull their ads off the platform or at least suspend temporarily. Asia Counts, busy as always. We thank you so much for the deep dive there. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. We had some breaking news earlier this hour. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the CEO of Binance and its founder, CZ, plans to step down and plead guilty to violating U.S. anti-money laundering requirements. Now, the cryptocurrency exchange will also pay some $4.3 billion in fines. Bloomberg Shanali Basak is here with the breakdown. This is, of course, the DOJ's investigation, not the SEC. But what... What caught your attention from this line from the Wall Street Journal? Well, we've already reported that the fines could be more than $4 billion. We now know that it will be $4.3 billion. And it does uh, close a matter that has been going on for many, many years. This investigation from the Justice Department with involvement also from the Treasury Department and the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC. So this does close that page for Binance. And Chang Penjiao, he had he's not only stepping down as CEO, you have to remember also, according to the Wall Street Journal, he can retain his majority ownership of Binance, and the settlement would allow them um, to keep operating. Remember, this is the world's largest crypto exchange we're talking about, so to kind of save the company is a big deal in light of this probe and settlement. He is expected, according to the journal, to appear in a federal court on Tuesday afternoon and enter his guilty plea. I think what's interesting here, too, is the journal does draw a parallel to a prior case, yeah. to BitMEX, and uh, in that instance, Arthur Hayes had pled guilty uh, to violating anti-money laundering laws and was sentenced to two years of probation and avoided jail time. So the sentencing, of course, will come later, but he is expected to plead guilty today in uh, court. So notably, as you say, Hayes didn't have any jail time and we wonder what indeed what would happen in terms of the guilty plea coming from CZ. But is this enough to then appease the SEC as well? What would be the potential offering to them to be able to settle the ongoing investigation? These are interesting questions because we know that the SEC, among all regulatory bodies, the DOJ has come down quite hard on the industry, but the SEC, the sheer scale of how they've been approaching the industry has been massive. And you just saw recently their approach to Kraken, for mm. example, and their concern with many crypto exchanges and their ability to list tokens uh, or what the SEC believes are securities. And so for Binance to keep operating, it draws a lot of questions, not only just about the SEC's approach to finance itself, but also remember it, it, what is fixed here. If he's pled guilty to violating anti-money laundering laws in the United States, what is being fixed at a place like Binance to be able to ensure that this doesn't happen in the future, I think is another critical question as we think about the future of these crypto exchanges. And indeed the future of retaining talent at that company, which quite a few executives have been departing of late. Shanali Basak, always all across these breaking news headlines. You can catch Shanali along with Kaylee Lines coming up on Bloomberg Crypto. 1 p.m. New York time. They'll be speaking with the SEC Commissioner, Hester Pierce. Perfect time for that conversation. Ed.
right? The other top story that we're trying to keep on top of, OpenAI investors are still trying to return co-founder Sam Altman to a leadership role at the company. At the same time, OpenAI staff are threatening mass mutiny, saying they'll follow Altman to Microsoft unless the board resigns. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella spoke with Bloomberg's Emily Chang last night. He says he would not oppose Altman's return to OpenAI. Take a listen. We are leading in this next generation of AI technology. Uh, we continue to be committed to open AI, and we continue to be co committed to Sam and Greg and the team, uh, irrespective of where they are. And you know, I, I think about Sam has chosen multiple times now to work with us, and that's fantastic to see. And I think the real thing is that the capability that Microsoft has across the tech stack is what attracts uh, great people like Sam, you know, and people like Sam, and you know, innovators like Sam when it comes to AI to come to us and we are thrilled about it. You incredibly quickly hired Sam as well as Greg. We are uh, hearing that Sam wants to return. Investors want him to return to OpenAI. How would you feel about that? Yeah, as I said, we really want to partner with OpenAI and we want to partner with Sam. And so irrespective of where Sam is, he's working with Microsoft. And that is the case on Friday and that'll be, that's the case today. And we will, I absolutely believe that that'll be the case tomorrow. Now, we understand that to support a, a return of Sam Altman to OpenAI, Microsoft wants some changes to the board, to governance, to its overall contract with OpenAI. So something like this never happens again. What specifically are you looking for, for example, would you want a board seat? And if not, what else? Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely will want some governance changes. So, that, you know, you know, surprises are bad. And uh, we just want to make sure that things are done in a way that will allow us to continue to partner well. That's about it, right? You know, this idea that somehow, you know, suddenly changes happen without being you know, in the loop is not good. Uh, and uh, we will definitely ensure that some of the changes that are needed happen. And, and we continue to be able to go along on the partnership with uh, OpenAI. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella there, along with our own Emily Chang. Let's keep digging on how all of this impacts Microsoft and indeed, well, broadly AI in general. But Austin Carr has a really interesting take, our own Bloomberg reporter. Austin, the initial read was Satya wins. Lemonade out of lemons. He manages to do this deal very quickly and turn around the situation. But your digging perhaps shows that longer term, this is not the best case scenario to have Microsoft bringing open AI in-house. Yeah, I think um, right at the beginning, there was that uh, sort of the idea that Microsoft was the big winner and all of that. And I think the reality is a bit more complicated. Um, they've invested 10 to $13 billion in open AI. If that suddenly falls apart, that doesn't look good for Microsoft. It doesn't look good that they invested so much money, uh, given so much governance hurdles that the startup clearly had. Uh, the second thing is just hiring Sam Altman. You, you heard how many times Satya said Sam in that interview, maybe about a dozen, uh, if not more. Um, it, it, this was a lot about damage control. How can we keep Sam Altman uh, uh, within the Microsoft family. And that was the first thing that they did, hire Sam to read this new advanced research group. But that doesn't come without complications. It's going to be tremendously expensive if you have uh, these hundreds of employees exiting OpenAI to try to rebuild something similar from scratch inside Microsoft. You have uh, IP issues. Uh, and then you all have a lot of bureaucratic issues within Microsoft, which has its own AI or research teams that are working on other things. So I think it's really too uh, early to say that Microsoft is the clear 
winner in all this. You saw Sachi, I think, doing a really excellent job at damage control in these last 72 hours. All right, Bloomberg's Austin Carr, who's been writing in the Tech Daily. You should subscribe to the Tech Daily. It's a fantastic summary and smart take on the news of the day and the news of the hour. Let's turn to another actual player in the field of artificial intelligence, Hugging Face. Dive more into the implications for the AI industry at large. We're delighted to be joined by Hugging Face's chief ethics scientist, Margaret Mitchell. And Margaret, I know that you have relationships with many that work at OpenAI. They are your industry peers, but you have direct relationships. I'd just like to first invite you to give your overall thoughts of what is happening at OpenAI HQ about three miles from where I'm sitting. Right. Yeah. So I think I have a sort of different perspective than a lot of people, although your recent interviews are sort of hitting on them, where I don't know that it's the case that the board has failed broadly. I do think they failed the employees um, because of this creation of shock and trauma. And what we're seeing is a response based on that. Right. When you have the rug pulled out from you, you just want to get the rug back. Um, So that is happening and that can arguably be arguably be a failure of of the board. But I think broadly, the board is sticking to some of its um, original goals, which is to balance the profit and the nonprofit, make sure that safety concerns are um, being taken seriously, and even making the decision to lose profit in in cases where some of the safety concerns um, are starting to become overwhelming. I think if one goes openly to OpenAI's website and looks at its governance and the statements it makes, it makes it abundantly clear that they put safety ahead of profits. And a not-for-profit governance board, in hindsight, perhaps for VCs, wasn't totally aligned. Has the discussion point changed longer term here, Margaret? Do you think that people start to say, okay, well, we have to put the safety to one side because we need to keep on building and founders need to keep on doing deals and and the compute power is so expensive? Yeah, I mean, I think that there will definitely be some changes and updates to this kind of structure. The the capped profit model that OpenAI was um, spearheading was more of an experiment. And with experiments in general with AI and uh, in science, you just update based on the results you're getting. And so I think we're seeing that here. We'll probably see changes in light of the fact that there clearly is a need to have a reliance on commercial interests um, companies like Microsoft to provide compute. And so you don't want to surprise Satya, right, if you have this kind of dependency. Um, So there probably will be uh, some updates here. But um, I I do think that the board, as originally constructed, is, is basically doing what it's supposed to be doing. Margaret, how do we find a middle ground if this existential threat issue is the issue? And frankly, we don't know why the board fired Sam Altman. How do you appease both sides? Actually, if you work towards the solutions, if you sort of take what the issue is and then work backwards towards the solutions, you'll find that the solutions for safety, for existential risk, for bias issues, non-discrimination, a lot of these sort of ethical values that a lot of tech companies are holding right now, the solutions end up being roughly the same, as far as I can tell. And so uh, really the middle ground is 
let's let's go back to what the solutions are for all these issues that we're thinking and seeing and can we agree on these solutions even if our goals are somewhat different and i think that will really be a place where across the industry we'll see alignment uh, Margaret, uh, Chief Ethics Scientist, Margaret Mitchell, thank you for being with us. We have some breaking news just crossing the Bloomberg. Uh, OpenAI and its board are in open talks with Sam Altman about a return for Sam Altman to OpenAI. I'm reporting this with Ashley Vance. What we're hearing, the latest, is that Adam D'Angelo is talking with Sam Altman. One source tells me that a possible scenario is that a transition board comes into place and Sam Altman takes a director role on that transition board. That is one, Caroline, uh, possible way forward that we're he hearing about. Investors are involved. Investors are mm. speaking with both the OpenAI side and the OpenAI board. And what we're hearing, myself, Ashley, Emily Chang reporting this as well, is that Emmett Shear, who's interim OpenAI CEO, is having a pretty tough time, is basically in the dark um, and, and at a breaking point at this point. And it's notable, of course, that Vinod Kosler, for example, very early investor in OpenAI, had been saying how much the Quora CEO, had D'Angelo, had been digging in and ultimately whether or not that was going to be a difficult scenario to be able to have a board exactly. change of direction. Ultimately, though, what are you hearing in terms of being pushed for of the makeup of that board? Because many would say it doesn't just need Sam Altman to be reinstated. Yes, I mean, the, the name Brett Taylor, who is the co-CEO of Salesforce, keeps coming up time and time again as someone that would be an appeasement to both sides of the, the discussion. The, we, we make the point in, in the story we've just reported, just as the sources make the point to us, that the fact that Sam is even speaking to Adam D'Angelo is, is news. It is complete change from the weekend. We sat there all day Sunday saying, OK, well, Sam's definitely coming back and the board's going to go. That wasn't the case at all. The board was digging in and there was very little communication at all. So, yeah. We keep going. We do. And as Emily chatted to Satya yesterday, he, of course, supports no matter where Sam ends up being, whether at OpenAI or in-house with Microsoft. So much more to come. And, of course, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Ed's scoops, one about a chip venture that Sam Altman was apparently trying to be bringing to the world. We'll have Clio Capital's Sarah Kuntz joining us next. This is Bloomberg Technology. Now, of course, we just had that breaking news coming from our own Ed Ludlow and team that Sam Altman and the OpenAI board are open to talks for his possible return. And, well, the saga continues. We want to go to our VC spotlight now, Clio Capital founder and managing director Sarah Kunst, for your own take on all of this, the repercussions for AI startup ecosystem more broadly, Sarah. Is it that it becomes more competitive? Is it that it becomes more concerning of profits vis-a-vis -vis safety? You know, I honestly think the biggest takeaway about this isn't going to be about AI. I think it's going to be about corporate governance. Um, you know, this on the heels of everything that happened with FTX and obviously could not be more different situations. But in both cases, you have companies that have been super, super hot, you know, raised billions of dollars and there's no board. There's no traditional corporate governance. And so when things go sideways, they tend to go sideways in a really big way and catch a lot of people unawares. You know, ventures a business where we usually like to to 
sort of handle the messy stuff a little bit quietly. And that's really impossible to do when there's no board, you know, no traditional board to sort of say, let's sit down and hash this out. Uh, quietly, we're reporting that one possible outcome is that there's a transitional board, right? Sam Outman joins this transitional board as a director. As a venture capitalist, if somebody put in front of you the opportunity to participate in the tender, which we believe is still pending, based on that information I just gave you, would you take an allocation? I do early stage ventures, so they are out of range, and that's all I'll say. But you know, the reality is that I, I think that this is going to be a moment where the investors around the table say, "Look, you know, we played by your rules. You started as a nonprofit. You had this capped profit model. You know, you had this board that didn't directly oversee, you know, and wasn't a wasn't necessarily a fiduciary to the for-profit arm." I have a feeling that if Sam comes back, that is all going to change, um, possibly in a good way for him, but I think probably in a way that's a, a bit more investor and for-profit friendly as well. Overall, early stage investment outlook right now, there was this thesis at one point when indeed we thought that Sam was going to be sticking with Microsoft is that OpenAI talent might not just go there and they might go off and start creating their own businesses. One founder telling us that yesterday. Are you seeing as much exuberance about building AI companies at the smaller check range at the moment? So, you know, there's, it's structurally hard to build a, a true AI company, right? Foundational models, you know, it takes billions and billions of dollars worth of compute power. You know, we, we've heard reports this year of VCs who are actually going out and, you know, getting compute space, getting cloud space, you know, buying chips, AI chips, so that they can use that as sort of an enticement to, to founders. And the other reality is it's not just enough to be sort of smart and hungry. When you're talking about building in these kind of foundational AI spaces, you really need serious engineering chops and and not a ton of people have them so you know certainly the the bloom is a bit off the rose right now at OpenAI, and i think that you know when things change they tend to stay somewhat changed and so we might see people you know who are planning to stick around a couple more years you know the the macro environment's not great they you know liked what they were doing at OpenAI, who are now you know sitting there saying you know have whiplash and feel like wow maybe i do want to go out on my own and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Clio Capital founder, managing director, Sarah Kuntz. Good to catch up here on Bloomberg Technology. Zoom was out with earnings, reporting better than expected revenue on some strong enterprise sales and raising its full year forecast, in fact. Zoom CFO Kelly Stackelwood joins us now. And Kelly, there was some significant international slowdown. And I'm interested as to how resilient this sort of growth in you saw in the prior quarter is for the next. Yeah, so we were really pleased with our Q3 results. As you said, we exceeded both our top line as well as our profitability expectations and we were able to raise for the full year. We saw growth in the Americas. Um, we did see some headwinds both in EMEA and Asia-Pac. Some of that due to FX and, and currency, where in Asia-Pac, for example, we would have been flat year over year. But we are starting to see some momentum in both of those regions and are looking forward to further progress as we move through the rest of this year and into next year. Like Kelly, the, the sell-side analysts are basically saying that the raising guidance is just not bullish enough. They're still worried about the long-term growth of Zoom. Based on how society behaves today, how we communicate one another, how do you tell them definitively, I can grow this company forever? 
You know, we achieved some amazing milestones during Q3. For example, Zoom phone hit 7 million seats. Our Zoom contact center grew to over 700 customers. And Zoom AI companion, we it's only been out for approximately two months, and it's already activated in over 200,000 accounts. So that shows you that we are expanding to be a full collaboration and communication platform. And that's really what's gonna drive our growth in the future. And that's exactly what investors are looking for. They're looking for reacceleration in our direct segment and they're looking for stabilization in our online segment. And as I said, the expansion of the platform is exactly what's gonna drive that over time. How then have you been reacting to the ongoing changes within AI right now, you've got companion AI, you incorporate, you have a federated approach, you incorporate your own LLM, you have Metas, you have OpenAI's, Anthropic, your key competitor really is Microsoft in the space and they look to be ever closer to OpenAI. How does this situation impact you? Yeah, so in setting up this model, just like we do everything, we think about it from a customer's perspective and we want them to have the best possible performance and we believe that a federated approach does that. As you mentioned, we're working with many partners in this space that gives us the opportunity to really fine tune our models and get the absolute best result for our customers. And I also wanna highlight that we're doing it in a very cost effective way. Zoom AI Companion is included for free in all of our paying for all of our paying customers. So that's a really key competitive differentiator as it comes included where some of our competitors are charging charging up to $30 per month per user for that. Certainly the focus on the competition there. We thank you so much, Zoom CFO Kelly Steckelberg, on the reporting of earnings and future growth drivers. Meanwhile, I had another extraordinary show of Bloomberg Technology with just breaking news after breaking news. It reminds you that the world of technology happens in real time. Recap everything we discuss on the podcast. We are publishing to all the Bloomberg platforms, but also Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. Remember, there's a lot in the world of crypto going on, so check out the crypto show as well. Incredibly important. From SF in New York, this is Bloomberg Technology.